This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back listening to Militantly Mixed. Main Hustle Media podcasts are recorded on the ancestral lands of the Chumash, Tongva, Hohokam, and Yucateco Maya people. And we wish to pay our respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Konnichi, what's up, cousins? Welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your Sir Auntie, Charmaine Fury, a.k.a. The Blasian Blurred, and this is episode 223. I am back from mental health hiatus. Um, just for, I have been doing check-ins during the mental health hiatus, so if you've been listening to those, you know that things aren't very good for me right now, personally. Um, and it's it's very difficult for me um, right now. And yet I really need and want to work on the shows because it's the thing that helped me get out of major depression the last time I was in a very long-term bout of it, um, near two years last time. I don't want to be in major depression for another two years, um, but things aren't very good for me right now. Uh, the next three episodes that you're going to hear at the beginning of October are going to be conversations that I recorded back in June and July of this year. Um, that were intended for last season, but I ended up having to first delay my mental health hiatus and then bring it back forward a couple of weeks and then extend it a couple of weeks um, just to be able to kind of function through what I had to go through the last two months. Um, but I'm really, I'm honestly in a worse position now than I was two months ago. So um, I have not started to reach out to people to finish out this season yet. I, I need a couple more weeks, I think, of the show being live again um, to get to that headspace. So the version of me that you hear at the start of these episodes and the version of me that you hear in the interviews or the version of me that you will hear or see if you listen to my other shows where I have a co-host, um, it's a lot easier for me to turn off or turn on, I guess, um, when I have someone else to talk to. But when I do these intros for Militantly Mix, I'm just by myself in my room, and it's it's too hard to, I don't, I can't fake it, I guess. Um, not that I'm faking it when I have a guest or when I have a um, co-host. It's just that it's easier to be happy that you're talking to somebody else that you care about uh, than when you're talking to yourself into a microphone. So, yeah. Great way to kick off the first, the next season of the show, Charmaine. Just be depressing. Uh, I have a couple announcements that I want to share with y'all, and then we're going to get into this really, really great episode that um, I, I'm excited is the one that I'm kicking off this season for. Uh, first thing, thank you to everybody that participated in the social media challenge that I set for myself in September where I was posting a different question related to mixedness every day. Not every question gathered comments, but of the ones that did, it really did spark off conversations with listeners. And um, I will be engaging in those conversations in the show in some form, either through Mixed Auntie Confidential episodes with Teresa or through Instagram Lives or something like that, because there were, there were clear topics that seemed to be more meaningful to audience members than 
um, than some of the others. So I will definitely do something with those. And thank you to Marie Wachke, who um, recorded a video response to one of them because it was really meaningful to see what a person's thoughts and feelings were like while they were going through it while they were answering the question that is available on instagram to re reposted on my page but also on their page it's marie soledad um also you can check out marie's episode of militantly mix episode six um if you if you want to go into the catalog a bit uh on october 9th i'm going to be releasing the be your mix self 2023 fundraiser t-shirt uh, this fundraiser t-shirt is based off of, I guess I was in a very 1990s sitcom headspace when I was looking at creating this year's design. Um, so this one is kind of loosely based off of, um, the Martin TV show logo. Uh, I, I, I played with the idea of living single, of in living color, of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, ultimately... The Martin logo is what I settled on because it looks so happy. And uh, even though I can't say that I engage at all in Martin Lawrence's stuff um, or and or haven't in the last 20 or so years, uh, in the early 90s when I was 13 and 14, it was a funny show. So whatever, nostalgia. Uh, but that show, shirt will be available in both black and white lettering. Uh, it'll be on black, white, gray, red, or yellow t-shirt bases, which is pretty much the colors of the show. I always throw the gray in there because I love a gray t-shirt. So, you know, it is whatever. Um, but it looks cool. I really enjoy it. And I hope that y'all will enjoy it too. Um, so yeah, we're going to kick off that fundraiser on October 9th. I will start posting images of the logo pretty much by the time this episode airs. You'll start to see those pop up on social media. Um, I don't have all the details for this yet, but by the time this show airs, we will start to be promoting it. Um, I am going to be a guest on, uh, Rhea Mayakur's Mixed Race Mama Instagram. Uh, she is currently running a series of, on her Instagram for, or two series is one is about language mix, you know, for mixed race people, mixed race families. And one is about, uh, relationships, interracial relationships, mixed people relationships, etc. And um, she's been hosting these lives every week for the last few weeks. I am going to be joining her for a live t discussing mixed and queer relationships. Uh, I won't be doing that through the Militantly Mixed platform. I will actually be doing that through my individual professional Instagram platform, which is the Blasian Blurred. Uh, so if you want to catch that, please follow me on the Blasian Blurred. That's where a lot of my cosplay and, and more geeky parts of me is on display um and uh and also of course follow Rhea on mixed race mama on instagram so you can catch that live that is going to air on october 5th at 10 a.m my time which is in merida mexico and 5 p.m british summertime uh london so 9 a.m west coast of the united states and 12 p.m lunchtime east coast united states uh, but going forward, I'm always going to talk from the perspective of Medida time because this is where I live my life now. And, um, yeah, I used to do it when I lived on the West Coast and in Central Time Zone. Now I'm doing it for Medida. Uh, so it will be a little bit early, I mean, for the uh, Western Hemisphere audience. But um, 
uh, if you have any questions related to mixed and queer relationships that you would like to be included in the discussion, please head on over to Mixed Race Mama's Instagram and send them to her. Um, she'll, she'll, I'm sure she'll accept them um, if you're not able to make the live. Uh, but please do watch the playback once it becomes available because I will also reshare that on my page as well. Um, yeah, there's that. And finally, speaking of Rhea and the cat being out of the bag, I am, this is actually the kind of only patch of light I'm experiencing at the moment. The thing that actually um, makes me just feel happy when I'm thinking about it, when I'm working on it. Uh, I have been in pre-production on a new podcast with my f new friend Rhea this last summer. And uh, it's taken a little bit because we both had large chunks of travel and personal things that we were dealing with um, and taking digital breaks. Um, but we're back at it. We're back into pre-production and we are going to be ready to launch our new podcast on in November. Uh, this is based off of a couple of joke conversations that we had that turned into like, we should actually do this because this will be fun. Uh, introducing matcha and masala, blended besties, spill the tea. Uh, Rhea and I are two mixed people who share a lot of overlap in, in terms of our, our mix and also in terms of our interests and hobbies. We are both of British heritage, uh, Rhea being Punjabi and Welsh, living in London. I am a black Japanese um, British American with Welsh and English heritage as well. My Britishness is Welsh and English. Uh, we're both pretty obsessive tea drinkers because we come from a British culture, but also because of me coming from Japanese culture with matcha and uh, Rhea coming from an Indian culture, Punjabi culture with masala. Uh, so we were making a few jokes about um, our interest in tea and um, our love of alliteration, us being mixed people. And we also really love mustaches and murder. Uh, we're both true crime podcast enthusiasts. Uh, Matcha Masala will be pretty broad, though, in terms of conversation topics. Um, while we do both love tea and we bo do both love true crime stories, uh, we won't always focus ex exactly on that, but it'll be a big part of the show. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun with it. Um, and I'm so excited to be able to work on this new project. It's a, it's a really a breath of fresh air in my life. And Rhea is just so fucking fun as a person. So matcha masala, blended besties, spilling the tea. Uh, we're just a couple of mixed mates musing over matcha, masala, and mud. And that is going to air in November. You can go ahead and follow us on social media already, though we don't have anything on there yet. We will start doing that as we get closer to our launch date. Um, but you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, and most importantly, YouTube, at Matcha Masala. I'm going to put links to that in the show notes for y'all as well. If you would like to follow us in advance so that you can um, stay up on when we're releasing things. Of course, she and I will both be talking about it on our social media platforms as well. But um, it'll be a nice break. I w despite the fact that we are two mixed people and mixedness will come up naturally, uh, being able to focus on something completely different um, and also within our wheelhouse is... Uh, is a lot of fun and I really hope that show does well because it's already been a blast to work on <sighs> and I think that's it for now so let's get into today's episode my guest today is Akane Sugimoto Story 
She is a mixed Japanese American who has lived in Mexico for the last 20 years. And we interacted on an Instagram post a while back. And, and when they mentioned that they were living in Mexico, I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to talk to you. Uh, so on a show reason, militantly mixed be talking to mixed folks. Uh, Akane was a great person to bring on the show. But uh, for a personal selfishness point of view, uh, as a mixed Japanese American living in Mexico, I had a lot of questions about what life is like for us, specifically because of our Asianness. Um, when I travel around as a mixed black person, I experience very similar things despite what country I'm in. Black community, or at least black community that I'm able to engage in in various countries that I've been in so far, has been relatively similar, relatively welcoming. Um, and I get to be my Charmaine ass self in those spaces, regardless of what country I enter, I've entered so far. Um, with my Asianness, however, that's harder uh, because I don't quote unquote look like a stereotypical Asian, East Asian person. Um, my Asianness does come into question, or I'm viewed as a different kind of Asian than I am. Um, Sometimes I can be seen as, you know, not a real member of the community, which is something I think mixed Asians experience quite a bit in the country I grew up in, United States. Um, but here in Mexico, with there not being nearly as large an Asian population, d there is, and historically, a, a lot of Chinese and Japanese in Mexico. Um, the way that the communities maintain aren't very similar to the way they are in the U.S., and so I'm finding it very difficult to understand my Asianness, how my Asianness will happen here. So I wanted to talk to somebody who has basically and create um, garnered an expertise in this area because they've been living here for 20 years, and I'm really curious. And I, I was since before we even came to Mexico. Of at what point do you? immerse yourself in somebody else's culture that you become a part of that culture and after 20 years of her living in Mexico and having a Mexican partner and having children with dual Mexican citizenship and existing almost entirely in Spanish uh, for 20 years she is definitely immersed in uh, Mexican culture in particular in particular Latin culture more broadly but where does that put us as mixed Asians or as mixed people in general here where our mix doesn't come from the same ethnic and cultural heritage as the place that we're living and that is something that we talk about on this episode and I think this is going to be a question I will be asking myself for as ever long as I live in a country where I don't have an ethnic or cultural tie to um, what is appreciation and appropriation in that kind of space what effect does our not being from that ethnic and cultural heritage have on the local culture and why is it so much different than being in a white country or a country that is considered predominantly white? Um, I'm going to be answering these. I'm going to be asking these questions of myself and others for years to come, I'm pretty sure. But this is my first conversation with somebody that is also in the same place that I am in or same country. Anyway, we're not in the same state, but we're in the same country. But it was an amazing conversation. And I really appreciate Akane for sitting down and not just sharing her own personal mixed ass story with us, but also entertaining my questions as a curious mixed Japanese who is also living in Mexico. Uh, so without further ado, please join me in welcoming our latest cousin, 
to the Militantly Mixed Family. Akane Sugimoto story. Today, I am joined by Akane, who we've met on Instagram, uh, and we share something kind of besides being mixed Japanese, we also share that we both live abroad. So I wanted to get into living abroad while mixed with you. Akane, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience and let's get into it. Hello, my name is Akane Sugimoto Story, and I live in Mexico. I lived here for about 20 years, probably a little bit more. Sometimes I forget the count because I've been back and forth somewhat. Um, mm. I am part Japanese, I am part white, and after being in Latin America for about 20 years, sometimes I also introduce myself as uh, Latine, but I don't always do that. I'm still, I'm yeah, still okay. playing with that. You're still working through it. And I can I'm imagine, still, yeah. I mean, as, as you start to adopt, you can't avoid adopting a culture once you've lived in a place for a long yeah. time. So, it makes so sense. when... Yeah, absolutely. So it's not really clear to me at what point do we become or do we not yeah. become or are we always part of this like in between space of not being part of. So, so yeah, um, I'm yeah. definitely part Japanese, part white. And mm -hmm. in some instances, I, I check that box of, uh, of having uh, Latina, Hispanic, whatever that box says, occasionally mm -hmm. I will check that. But that, that's a new development within the last year. Mm. Okay, let's, I want to talk about that a little bit because that, I'm curious yeah. about that. So yeah. one of the things that when I decided that I was going to move to another country that had nothing to do with any of my ethnicities, mm -hmm. I was like, what, what, what am I doing? Like, what's going to happen? What's my connection to the, the local mm -hmm. culture? What's my responsibility as a foreigner here? Mm -hmm. And then I started thinking a lot about my Japanese grandma. Well, both of my grandmothers are foreign to the United States, but mm -hmm. um, one's British. Her transition into American culture is a lot different than my Japanese grandmother, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but with my Japanese grandmother, she's American as far as mm -hmm. she's concerned. Like mm -hmm. to me, yep. she still sounds like a little Japanese lady and all that other kind of stuff. But she don't call her Japanese. She's American. And yeah. I could not, um, I could not, I get like, what is the transition for her? What was it? And for her, I think I, it took me into adulthood to understand like the national identity of being Japanese versus the ethnic and cultural identity mm -hmm. of being Japanese. Yeah. So she was ready to shake, shake being Japanese the second she decided to marry mm -hmm. an American. Yeah. I don't know that I'm going to have an equivalent of something like that, but you're also from the U.S., correct? Yes, I was born and raised in the United States, uh, but most of my adult life, I've been here in Mexico. You've been here. Yeah. And, and even after 20 years, it's still like a question. Like, I wonder why it's a question. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to go down the same path as you will yeah. at some point. Like, why is it a question for us? Whereas, like, I can compare it to my grandmother's experience. Yeah. And it was not a question for her. She's yeah. now American. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. My mother, when she came to the United States, she acquired citizenship relatively early 
Uh, my understanding is that was required for her to stay in the United States, and she had to mm. renounce her Japanese nationality at that point. Seen, so yeah. for her, she's still she she introduces herself as uh, not right now because she's uh, ill, but um, she would introduce introduce herself as Japanese, but she would also say I'm I'm American. And actually, I was mm. going through her things a little while back, and I found this cute little pin that had a U.S. flag and a Japanese flag together. And I I just went to a midwifery conference in Bali, and I brought it with me, and I put it on my. Uh, I had the, my my name tag from Mexico, and I, I put that little pin on my badge as well. So I, like I don't know what time. <laughs> I have no idea what at what point that switch happens, but mm. I think for me, some of the challenge of calling myself uh, Latin American or Latina, uh, Mexican, Hispanic, whatever the terminology of choice is being used uh, mm -hmm. for that particular box. Mm -hmm. uh, has to do with the power dynamics of yes international yes. relations and you know cultural appropriation and mm. I don't want to be culturally appropriating at the same time dude I've been here for 20 years my children were born in Mexico my right. children have exclusively been schooled in Mexico I go to the United States and people look at me like a freak like where did you come out of because yeah. you're not from here and I'm in Mexico yeah. and the same thing happens here so right right um yeah I, I wonder about that too because I mean I'm fresh out like I'm yeah. I'm five months in I'm I still have to go back to the states to apply for yeah. my residency here and things um but in, in moments because I am I have the presentation I have in the U.S. I'm often confused for being Latina yeah. and then I come here and it's only happened two times that yeah. someone thought I was some kind of Latina and then uh -huh. when I tell them like the first one I was like you know soy Americana and her she still looked at me like but why don't you speak Spanish and um and then when I said uh negra y japonesa they still like no that's not it's not <laughs> registering like it's still not a thing and then eventually it was just like an acknowledgement like we weren't going to communicate well so they, they they was like a person on the street who handed me something and when I couldn't communicate they took it away and, and, <laughs> and walked away <laughs> um I was standing next to two white people too so I think they thought I was helping the white people and then realized I was I guess just as bad as them yeah. or whatever and um and and then the other person uh, started to speak to me in Spanish but had their eyes like this and they were like asking do you speak Spanish and I said a little bit and they're like okay English and I was like yeah and they're like English because like my face they must have thought something else and when I yeah. when I said you know so Americana they're like okay yeah sure and then they all start to name the the cities that they know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're like Houston New York, you know, and then you just tell them whichever one. And then that's the extent of our conversation. So I don't know, like, at what point, even as I start to gain more fluency and stuff like that, will I ever, if I stay here, be Mexican uh -huh. in the way that my grandmother became yeah. American? Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I'm yeah. too nervous about being appropriative and, and I yeah. want to, like, honor the culture of the people of the place that I've come to. The idea of what kind of foreigner I'm going to be, mm -hmm. I still haven't captured yeah. what that Absolutely. looks like for me. Um, Absolutely. Is your partner also American or are they no. Mexican? My partner, my partner is Mexican. Okay. So I have I have two so children, um, and I separated from the father of my daughter many many years ago. But he's also mm -hmm. Mexican, and then I have a, a son who's about five years old, um, and his father's also Mexican. So they're not just like 
they're Mexican. I mean, they're Mexican by nationality and they're also mm-hmm. and uh, by yeah. ethnicity mm-hmm. and culture and stuff mm-hmm. like that too. Mm-hmm. Do when you go back and forth to the States, do they feel an Americanness? Do they have like um so the children have double nationality? Um mm. Neither of my children's parents have uh, access to the United States. We just got denied a tourist visa. So we're doing the whole residency process for my partner now. Uh, just tied the knot and <laughs> submitted an application. Really? Yeah. So there's there's some there's some feelings there, I think, yeah, from, from myself and my partner. that We try to keep it as peaceful and as non... Uh, we try not to get too... We don't, we don't want to really talk to my son about it yet. He's only five. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there, there's dynamics there. Um, the children, for the most part, my son doesn't speak English very well. He, we just went up for a week and he was really mm. struggling to put sentence to, sentences together. But by the end of the week, he was much more fluid. Um, mm. And my daughter, she would come up for summers from the time she was about seven up until the pandemic, she would come up to spend, uh, come up, go up to the United mm-hmm. States to spend summers with grandparents. Um, and so she's very fluent and she okay. does well to both settings. I, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm jealous of that because like, I wish my family would have sent me off. Like we would go to yeah. most of my Japanese family ended up moving to Hawaii eventually. Like my yeah. grandmother was the first one to come. And then a lot of her siblings and my great grandparents followed. And so we would spend summers in in Hawaii sometimes, but mm-hmm. everybody would just speak English around us. Yeah. And my great grandparents didn't speak English. So I wanted to be able to talk to them. And all I could yeah. talk to them about was like bananas and Coca-Cola yeah. and like food, like food was the only kind of <laughs> Japanese that we could communicate with when we were kids because mm-hmm. they did not, they did mm-hmm. not teach us um, yeah. Japanese when they got here, which we understand Japanese are a lot more assimilative than mm-hmm. Um, other a lot of other cultures and so that's what I'm also wondering like coming from a Japanese family do I go the whole assimilate assimilate route or do I still try to maintain what yeah um, what this yeah. whole thing is so being mixed in Mexico when you're not of Mexican heritage I imagine will be interesting or has mm-hmm. been interesting for you will be interesting mm-hmm. for me yeah. um because I where I live I know we're a couple different states apart but uh but where I live I've seen six Asians altogether that I could identify as Asians. Five of them were Japanese tourists. And when I tried to speak to them out of just sheer excitement that there was other Japanese people, they completely ignored me and then made fun of me later on, even though I was in earshot <laughs> for attempting to speak my terrible Japanese, like my old lady, oh. I have old lady Japanese. Yeah. So I, I only have my grandmother's Japanese. Yep. So I say phrases that are... Yep old lady phrases um so they were making fun of my old lady phrases oh and um I was so excited to see them because I hadn't I've been here for five months and I hadn't seen any other Asian people and then I saw one Chinese lady coming out of a restaurant as I was in an uber and I was like an Asian (laughs) so (laughs) where so my excitement of just seeing other Asian people because I hadn't seen them since I've been here uh what is it like being a mixed Asian person in Mexico and for your experience? So I think it has gone through many phases. Mm. Uh, My first year in Mexico, I was studying abroad in in Morelos and I would always be asked, where are you from? Oh, I'm from the United States of America. No, but where are you really from? Uh, Oh, so you get where are you really from? I don't get it anymore. It was just that year. Mm. And I was in Mm. a group with mostly white people. We did have a 
another student who was adopted from Korea, uh, mm. but she would she didn't go out much. She would stay in the house and study a lot. Uh, and I was out. I wanted to learn Spanish. My Spanish was horrible. Mm. And by the end of the year, I was somewhat fluent. Um, mm. And so I would get that everybody I would meet would, would pull the, where are you really from? Um, and it didn't bother me at the time. I thought it was, oh, they want to know, like, what, what is my ethnic background? So I would mm -hmm. say, oh, my mother's from Japan. My father's from the United States. I was born in the United States. Um, mm -hmm. Over the years, it's, it's changed a little bit. Like after my daughter was born and I uh, started going to family events with, uh, with my daughter's father, uh, I would always get like, oh, have you heard the, um, like, tienes ojos de regalo. So you have, you have gift eyes. Que se los abra, que se los abra. Like, open them, open yeah. them because of the slanted Asian eyes. Well, uh, what do they mean by since, uh, Because uh, when, when you give someone a gift, they need to open the gift. So they're saying that you have eyes like a gift and that you need to open them, like, open them, open them. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> my reaction was the same in the beginning. I would kind of laugh. <laughs> and I didn't, I was like, oh, it's just Mexican humor, whatever. But since then, like every time I go to it, it this has subsided a little bit because I've, uh, my son is now five years old. We've, uh, mm. I've been to enough family events where it, that comment doesn't, uh, that saying or mm -hmm. that comment doesn't happen every time I interact with the family. But okay. if someone new comes in and I'm introduced, like you, it's very rare that that will, phrase will not come out. Like, really? oh, did you know you have, do you know you have gift eyes? Wow. I know. <laughs> and, you know, you've, you've been in Mexico for how many months now? And you've Five. seen just a handful of Asians. You know, yeah. It's, there's, yeah. There are Asians in Mexico. There's actually, I was in the state of Chiapas for about 20 years. And there's a whole community that is descendant, Asian mm. descendant. Um, mm -hmm. At some point, settlers from Japan came. Uh, but there's not, there's very little acknowledgement of mm -hmm. Asians in Mexico. There's a, I think there's a Japanese cultural center in Mexico city as well. There's some Japanese there is, supermarkets. Yeah. There's, uh, there are Chinese folks all over the place, but you know, mm -hmm. everybody is generally pretty isolated and um, there's, there's not a lot of vis visibility on Asian culture um, aside right. from the, the pop culture, kawaii uh, manga. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Medida has a, a two different anime comic cons yes like yes they're they're called comic cons but when you look at the roster it's entirely anime and it's uh -huh. but it's all the like american voices or the mexican uh -huh. voices of of the uh -huh. like no no japanese voices are are present uh -huh. uh, which i think is interesting but other than that and there's a couple little uh -huh. anime cafes and stuff like that uh -huh. but other than that um besides like me knowing before I came to Mexico that there was a, a population of Chinese that have settled in a few mm -hmm. places and stuff like that, mm -hmm. or that they will assume Chine versus um, any other Asian that you might tell somebody. Mm -hmm. um, I, I haven't, I've interacted enough to tell a few people that I was mixed with Japanese and mm -hmm. they either tell me that's not important because you're American, mm -hmm. which I've been told that by two Spanish teachers. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then in one case there it, the person was Cuban and he is obsessed with Japanese culture. So he got excited yeah. that I was Japanese because he was like, oh, I used to have clients that were from Japan and they were so yeah. generous yeah. and they were so friendly and they were so short, which made me laugh because he wasn't <laughs> taller than I was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, like he was like, they're so little. Uh -huh. And I was like, yeah. they're also so little. <laughs> but um, 
but yeah, so like that's pretty much my extent of the people mm -hmm. who have interacted with me as an Asian person. Yeah. Um, for me, the way I found community here is through Black expat groups because mm -hmm. I did grow up mostly in Black community. And so when I looked for a place to come to, I was looking for where do Black people feel safe? More specifically, where do Black women feel safe? Because when mm -hmm. Black women feel safe, I know that that's a good spot to go to. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have already made some friends here that are from different parts of the U.S. that are Black expats that, or, and they're planning on staying. Um, mm -hmm. So I think ultimately they'll become immigrants or maybe their mentality will be. For me, I still feel very much like an expat because I'm in my mm -hmm. temporary state until I mm -hmm. have my paperwork and until I know mm -hmm. I can be here. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll keep that that energy, I guess, that mentality uh, up mm -hmm. for folks. Um, but I want to get to a place where I am interacting. And also, so far, the people I'm becoming most friendly with that are Spanish speakers aren't from Mexico. Mm -hmm. They're all also expats. They're Colombian. They're Cuban. You know, they're like from every yeah. other place but Mexico. <laughs> so I'm missing out, I think, too, on uh -huh. even like a local accent yeah things like that it's yeah. the spanish i'm hearing is a lot harder for me to understand than the spanish i heard back in in the states the california uh -huh. mexican yeah. spanish yeah. is a lot different so it's just it's it's interesting to to think like first of all what would people even think of me because i don't look traditionally japanese or traditionally black mm -hmm. you know i don't i'm wondering what i'm missing in terms of like what is the either racism and or prejudice and or just misunderstanding about different race people mm -hmm. um that they experience here because they don't talk about race you know everybody mm -hmm. keeps yeah. telling me they don't talk about race here it's okay to talk about being an american and i don't know how to convey but i don't have first class citizen um mm -hmm. access in the country in my home country i have mm -hmm. i have first class american citizenry here in mexico mm -hmm. but in the u.s as soon as i cross that border things get crazy dodgy for me mm -hmm. I can't even go through customs mm -hmm. easily going back home mm -hmm. it's, it's always easy for me to leave my country it is never easy for me to come back so that's another part of the anxiety that I have in going back to the states for this for this thing um and it's usually because they think I'm Mexican <laughs> but but I don't think the Mexicans are gonna think I'm Mexican so I don't know uh, I don't know how this is gonna play out um what made you choose Mexico I mean you did you studied abroad here but what made you what made you choose it? Yeah, I studied abroad here. I really, when I was in uh, doing my, my undergrad studies, I was really interested in U.S. foreign policy and particularly in Latin America. Um, mm. I, there, I wasn't particularly interested in Mexico, but there was a, a school trip that was coming up in Mexico. And so, oh, mm. I'm going to apply and I'm going to see if I like it because then I'll know if I want to like go to Argentina or if I want to go to Costa Rica yeah. or if I want to go somewhere else. Uh, mm. So I came and I just fell in love with being in Mexico. You know how it is here. It's like everything is just wonderful. It's, it's easy so to fall crazy. in love. It's so crazy. Yeah. Immediately you love it. You immediately yeah. love it. Yeah. And so that happened. That happened. Um, and so then when I was looking at study abroad options, I uh, saw there was an option in Mexico. And so I, I took that and I was actually planning on doing a second semester in Central America. But I the love just grew my first semester mm -hmm. here. So I chose to stay for a second semester in Mexico. So I did a full year here. And then when it was time for me to go home, I didn't really want to go home, but I knew I had to mm -hmm. finish my under my uh, 
my uh, bachelor's degree. So I went yeah. home, I finished, and then I immediately looked for options to be abroad again. Um, mm. I ended up in Honduras for about eight months. Um, mm. I was not very happy in Honduras. I didn't immediately click. I didn't have that immediately that immediate love reaction when I was in Honduras. It's a beautiful country. Um, mm. It was just challenging for me to be there. Um, mm. So I changed. I, I came up here to Mexico and then just stayed. That was it. Yeah, yep. uh-huh. that's it's it's so weird because the, up until now, the only part of Mexico I ever saw was Tijuana, which because I'm Californian and for me, that was like going to East L.A. It wasn't much mm-hmm. different than the the part of of L.A. that is predominantly Mexican and stuff like that. So I didn't really feel there was anything different. And I, I've had people talk about how amazing Mexico City was and things like mm-hmm. that. So it was on the list, yeah. but I hadn't been anywhere else. I actually came mm-hmm. here sight unseen. I was like, I just know that the black expats are mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. So I'm going here. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was immediate, that feeling of just like the welcomingness. And, and in a way that doesn't feel like I'm targeting you because you're a tourist or anything mm-hmm. like that, there, there seems to be like genuine interest and support. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been thanked for like, thank you for letting me talk to a foreigner today has happened here, which I just thought was so strange. Like, it was just so exciting for mm-hmm. the both exchange. One that if I even had a couple of successful Spanish exchanges, that was also great. But mm-hmm. then to have people say, like, thank you for giving me the experience of talking to an American today. Yeah. And then they just, like, leave or they walk you to where they think you need to go and uh-huh. then they, and they take care of you. Um, never feeling like that back in my own home country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, not to mention, those, like, it's beautiful here. It's just... Yeah, it's just a really lovely place. I mean, it's hot. You it do is. pay for it in terms yep. of the <laughs> the heat, but um, but yeah, it's a, it's an instant love. I I was so yes. surprised. I and the welcoming. I thought I would be filled with far more anxiety. Yeah, the welcoming. It's so amazing. Like people are literally just inviting you into their house. Yep. Like an Uber driver would be like, "Oh, you haven't had good food yet. You should come. I'll take you to my house. We'll, we'll and you know, I haven't done that yet, but a few <laughs> of my friends have." And, and they were like, yeah, we had this amazing meal and like 40 people showed up out of nowhere because they started calling people and said they had foreigners eating at their house. And so like people showed up to meet the foreigners. Uh, so yeah, I haven't experienced that yet. My friends did it and uh, my friends from the US who came out here did it. And they said they had a damn blast. They were like just sitting on this stranger's living room couch and this old lady <laughs> was like handing them food and things. And it feels like a like a joke like it's not really real and yet i've heard multiple stories of how that's how Mm -hmm. people have become friends with some Mm -hmm. local folks it's just like yeah they're just excited that you're here um i've been thanked for sharing culture with a maya person and and stuff and i i the sense i don't know if that'll ever wear off or if that's it's because i was in more tourist mode at the time Mm -hmm. or something like Mm -hmm. that but the the way that people welcome you here is so much different than anything you ever feel back home even to the degree of like you talked about, I got here easily. Tourists, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't have to apply for a visa to be here. I could be here mm-hmm. for six months. Mm-hmm. Um, now my nerves are about applying for residency. And even though I check all the boxes, I'm still in my head nervous that it won't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm I'm nervous going into the customs to get back into my country being mm-hmm. looking like this and wondering if they're going to assume I'm not actually mm-hmm. American. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my partner's Arab like like not raised Arab, but mm-hmm. <laughs> like overtly looks uh looks that way and um and so yeah i just wonder if it's gonna be tough but you're um so you've done on and off 
but you do have a home base here that you feel really happy and comfortable in. When you finish your time back in the States, you'll come back. That'll be, that'll be where you come back to as well. Yeah. So Mexico is home now. Yeah. We have our home base here. I've mostly, we went back, I went back um, between 2008 and 2010, but essentially since, since I studied abroad, I've mostly been here. Mm. And so that was 2000, 2001. Um, I did go back for those two years. And then I was a year in Honduras. So yeah. I've done trips back, but I've usually, when I go back home, I'm, I'm home for five days, seven days, 10 days. And that's about it. What, what has felt like community for you as a mixed person living here? Hmm. Or has there, <laughs> I guess that's also, <laughs> has there been community for you? <laughs> I think there was, um, you know, before I had kids, I definitely feel like I had a little bit more community. I lived in a house with other foreigners um, Mm. and then I lived with my partner in a house, but I would gather with the other foreigners that I knew and Mm -hmm. that felt like community. Um, In terms of mixed race community, I haven't had a ton of community as a mixed race person. Um, I mean, it's interesting to say because Mexico is a mixed race country. Sure. Yeah. And I've, had Mexican friends ever since like I first started coming to Mexico and there's the family connections but I'm also I'm very introverted so oftentimes like if I'm in my office or if I'm working I, I don't really seek out finding my community yeah. well part of it's yeah. on me but a lot of times I, I feel like I don't have a lot of community mm. <laughs> yeah and I mean fair <laughs> mm-hmm. so like for me um I know that I always feel far more comfortable in black spaces than I do in mm-hmm. almost any other space. And then in Japanese spaces, I feel like a tourist because yeah. you know, the, the yeah. engagement with being a mixed Japanese and stuff is, yeah, is different um, when they're strangers or when they're family and, and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have only recently, and it's really just during the pandemic that this happened, I started to feel more connection to a general Asian American Mm-hmm. community and it was all online you know it was all through podcasting because it was harder to find like Japanese American community it was easier to find yeah. general Asian American community yeah. uh, but I still don't feel I get excited when I meet other mixed Japanese because I feel like oh yeah. you'll get you'll get yeah. this thing that I, I experienced but I mm-hmm. um, I've never had just like a group where we can all sit there not in the way that I have it in mm-hmm. black spaces and so I felt like when I decided to come here I would really be sacrificing sense of community generally because I'm moving to a place where the people don't have the same experiences that I have um, mm-hmm. so far what I'm finding is community in black space which is natural mm-hmm. it happens to me wherever I move but I guess the next extension of that is the foreigner mm-hmm. experience of of like we're just we're not we're all from not here mm-hmm. um but in, in terms of what you said earlier, the engaging in, at what point can I claim? Like, at what point mm-hmm. is it reasonable for me and non-appropriative for me to yeah. claim a, a Latin identity, a Mexican identity even? Mm-hmm. I am wildly curious about what yeah. thing will be the thing. Like, will I just pick up something off the shelf one day and be like, Oh, I'm Mexican now. You know, like, I don't know, like what kind of a thing it will be. What sort of experiences do you think you've had so far that I don't want to assume like chipped away at your Americanness, but like yeah. started to be like, this is definitely not something that this is definitely something you adopted since you've been yeah. here versus. 
It's hard to say because it's been so gradual. And I, I yeah. have not, um, Mexico didn't used to have a permanent residency status that came about in about 2013. So before mm. that, I really, I was aiming to get my Mexican nationality. And I think had I gotten that, I would have claimed a, a Mexican Latina identity much sooner. Sure. Um, but as a permanent resident, I was like, well, that would kind of be appropriating because I'm really like on paper, I'm just a U.S. citizen and I'm a permanent resident here in Mexico. But mm. when I go home, it, like everything is so foreign to me. Um, yeah. especially, especially when I'm in white spaces, if I'm in spaces of, um, you know, a lot of my friends back home are um, from the Latina community, immigrants or, um, mm -hmm. people who the border crossed and then they moved North to, uh, to Minnesota, um, mm -hmm. or they're native American or they're some other from Cuba or from some other country. Um, and so I don't feel, I feel welcomed into those spaces when I'm in white spaces. I, I feel very, like, I feel so foreign. I, I feel like yeah. I don't fit in. I feel like I just, like sometimes I can get by being in those spaces, but it's, it's just really hard for me to be there. And I feel like yeah. I, I mesh really well with folks who are from Latin America yeah. when I'm in the United States. But that was even well before I began, you know, just, I mean, actually like checking the box of, ha of having uh, Hispanic descent or Latina descent um, that really just started this year. Um, yeah. So I but don't you know. said like, I, I mean, you oh. already had the, cur not curious, you already were interested in uh, like, at least politically Latin America, because mm -hmm. that was your, what you studied and things like that. So mm -hmm. you already had something back, back mm -hmm. home that made you feel like yeah. somewhere down here would be, would be, um, of interest or whatever i agree with yeah. you i mean technically i'm not ha like half white in the case of having a, ha a white parent but i have two mm -hmm. two biracial parents were mm -hmm. one black and white one's japanese white so same thing i can't really enter white spaces mm -hmm. comfortably mm -hmm. i mean i can maneuver not as a white person mm -hmm. not even as a mixed mm -hmm. white person not in the way that mm -hmm. i can maneuver as a mixed japanese or mixed black person mm -hmm. but i have my my interaction with the Latin A community is mostly just growing up in Southern California and how mm -hmm. prevalent people are and stuff like that. So this is complete, both culture shock and excitement mm -hmm. about, about having access. But I, mm -hmm. I, I think it's interesting being two people of mixed Asian heritage, living in a country that we don't technically have a tie to and yet mm -hmm. feel really tied here. I think yeah. like the mentality of, mm -hmm. The people here the way they care about mm -hmm. their land the way they care about mm -hmm. people as a whole and stuff is just more of what i've always wanted and yet never had yeah. back yeah. in my in my home country so that that is interesting that you would go yeah to go back to the states you still need to be around latina people just to feel even remotely comfortable <laughs> i absolutely i absolutely do i absolutely do and then also both of my children were born here my youngest mm. barely speaks english um, but I think it was really, I applied for, uh, for grad school again last year mm -hmm. in for programs in the United States. And I was, I was like, do I check that box? Do I not check that box? Do I check that box? And I remember yeah. like looking very closely, how is this worded? And then what do they mean by ethnicity? Like, what is the actual definition? Mm. <laughs> uh, oh, that's interesting. And, yeah. And going back and forth, going back and forth. Cause I know what these terms mean, but like, how is it actually what is the actual def criteria? Do I meet that criteria right. or do I not meet that criteria? And I have no fucking idea if I meet that criteria. So I think on like half, I checked yes. On the other half, I checked no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so. it makes sense because there's something else going on here with you specifically mm -hmm. and maybe with me in the future too. It's like, mm -hmm. uh, we have our ethnic heritages. Yeah. Great. Uh, within those mm -hmm. ethnic heritage, we have 
access to a degree to certain parts of our mm -hmm. cultures and certain parts not. Uh, based yep. off our, our appearance, our access to certain things that we're mixed with varies as well. Mm -hmm. But now you've been immersed in living in a culture that, I mean, one, I would think it'd be insane to not adopt, right? Like if you've been mm -hmm. here for 20 years, how do you not adopt, adopt yeah. the local culture? Yeah. And at the same yeah. time, that's not one of the categories that we have to express no. who we are. We have nationality, we have ethnicity, we have race, and we have culture. Uh -huh. Okay, culture, yes, but you don't culture, check yes. a box on a form, you know, like, so what do you do? What is but this then you read, thing? You read the definition of ethnicity, and it always links to culture. So then I'm like, yeah, you know, it's been 20 years. It's been 20 years. My mom, by 20 years, she would always, of course, she would always check the American box, American, but she'd also yeah. check the the Japanese box and I'm like comparing myself to other people like what the fuck do I do like I don't know yeah. so I for half I was like I don't want to lie but like <laughs> yeah but yeah but exactly like but is it a lie like yeah on paper I, depending I mean yes we. Have I don't want to I don't want to be false with anybody but like right it's and, been 20 I mean, years when somebody sneezes, I say salud, and it doesn't matter. I was in Japan. I just went to J back to Japan for the first time in 20 years this summer. And every time someone would sneeze, I would say salud. And then I was joking around. With my family, we have to talk through the cell phone with the translation apps, which is kind of yeah, funny. Yeah. But also, like, it breaks my heart. But, like, thank fucking goodness we have that. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, so what do you all say when someone sneezes? Like, oh, we don't say anything. I'm like, you should start saying salud. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it's a mix because not all the parts of Japan, of Japan does this, but there are some mm -hmm. parts that just go daijobu, like they're just uh -huh. yelling yeah. health at you, you know, yeah. kind of a thing. Um, uh -huh. And so like my family doesn't really say anything. I'm uh -huh. starting to learn to say salute. So and I'm also like a big fat atheist, too. And so I grew up with a partially religious family mm -hmm. and I was never a believer. And so I've been actively combating bless mm -hmm. you or god bless you in, in english mm -hmm. and then when i got here and it's salute i was like oh i can do that because it doesn't yeah. you know there's no religion it doesn't seem i i always had this idea of like the reason why you say bless you in english speaking countries is because they used to think your heart stopped and obviously <laughs> and obviously we know that that doesn't happen so it seems stupid to keep the tradition up mm -hmm. but now that i've moved here I've started to say salut. I even do it to my cats when they sneeze because mm -hmm. I have one yeah. that has allergies or whatever. And my landlord was here the other day and my cat sneezed and I said salut <laughs> and she just busted up laughing. <laughs> and then she thought it was really cute too. And she's like, see, you're almost Mexican. <laughs> so I like thinking about what you're saying about like, yes, at some point, I bet you, you probably feel dishonest and not dishonest in saying that you're Latine because yeah. like, Yes, you've been here 20 years. How could you not be? I think I think <laughs> it makes sense to accept it. But if if the definition talks about like genetics versus culture, okay, I get it. You know, like I understand. Yeah, then, but then it's untruthful. It's untruthful, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, technically, my African ancestry is from the Kota people in now what's called Gabon. I'm not going to call myself Gabonese because we got stolen however many long ago from Gabon. That being said, I'm glad I now know and I'm glad that I have a tie back. And if I ever get an opportunity to pilgrimage, I'm going to acknowledge my ancestry, but I can't claim it. Mm -hmm. I would have a better shot at claiming Mexican heritage however long I end up being here, which for mm -hmm. right now looks like 
a while. As long as I get mm -hmm. approved, I want to stay here. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that, I think this opens up a different conversation, which is exactly <laughs> kind of why I wanted to talk to other mixed people living in uh, other countries. And and I've had this opportunity now a few times this, this season in particular. Um, some of them, they have ties to the country. Some of them, they don't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not having a tie to this country besides the desire to be here. Mm -hmm. I think we're, I think this is a new stream of we've got to figure out what this identity is because yeah. I, I, I can't help but think, of course, I would consider you Mexican at this point. You, you're yeah. living in a Mexican life. How could you not be? If my grandmother was American from the day she married an American in her mind and came here, why, why could we not? Mm -hmm. yes not everybody's gonna be happy with that and stuff like that I'm sure there's still people who wouldn't look at my grandmother and assume she was Amer she was American and stuff like that yeah. but I mean yeah I think and and the fact that you care about hurting people <laughs> is also a thing that I think is important right so it's like yes I think you should adopt it and at the same time I understand the cautiousness yeah. uh, so I yeah I think this is the start of a conversation I'm gonna have like 11 billion times until I feel <laughs> like we've nailed it because I'm really yeah. curious about what this is because I mean do, do we not become something else eventually like look at the origin of any Asians start Africa to the Middle East to India to China to you know to everywhere else like we eventually become something else uh -huh. I understand that as a as a a migratory people it takes many generations but in, yeah. in your case in one generation you have Mexican kids yeah in one generation my my grandmother had American kids your mother had American yeah. kids you know what I'm yeah. saying like I think yep. there's something yeah absolutely we need a term <laughs> because yeah like that I can imagine wanting to figure out like am I being dishonest I don't want to have to write an essay to tell you what my current experience is <laughs> If you already have check boxes, like if your check box could just include, yeah, technically I'm American, but I haven't lived in America for the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah, now exactly. Mexican. I think that's, exactly. I think that would be fair. Yeah. <laughs> or if they just like, if they add a line after, like for like a three word response, but yeah, you, know, you don't always get that line with the three word response. I know, because sometimes there's just even for ethnicity, it's like other. Ugh, yeah. I hate, I hate, I hate checking an other box. It's so stupid. <laughs> I, I don't mind the check all that apply. I don't mind check that all that apply. If, if yeah. you're going to make me do it, I'd rather check all that apply. If it says check one only, I'm going to check all that apply. You're going to just have to book yeah. me out of the system. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, the other, if you only have other as an option, no, I, I don't accept that. <laughs> like, I don't appreciate it. Uh, what's weird though, he, or not weird, um, but what I'm expecting to feel weird about having grown up in the U.S., is filling out forms here that don't include ethnicity yeah because i'm so used to that being a thing and yep. yet almost everybody i've spoken to that's outside the us don't have to do this mm -mm. thing no. that we have to do so i hope that i eventually get to a point where i don't feel like i need it mm -hmm. but i'm still it's too fresh for me i'm still in that place where like when someone asks me if i'm american my first response is no and then i'm like oh yes <laughs> i am you know because i'm i'm more focused on the fact that I'm an ethnicity in America. I'm not an American in America, um, but here I'm an American and it has completely rattled me having to accept 
like this American identity here because it means something different to me. And I uh -huh. don't I don't want people to think what I think when I hear uh -huh. the term American. So I want to go back to earlier. You mentioned that uh, you you used to get the question, know where are you really from? Yeah, it doesn't really happen as as much anymore, which I think is interesting because you have an Asian appearance in comparison mm -hmm. to me, I guess. So it's interesting for people who have like, since I've been here, have told me not to bring up ethnicity that you would get asked, mm -hmm. but where are you really from? Did you feel the same thing? Well, I guess you also haven't been in the States for 20 years. Um, so it's kind of weird. You're not, you're probably not used to hearing where are you really from in the way that I would be used to it. Yeah. Um, in general. So I guess the question I was going to ask which I don't know if applies to you is did you get the impression that what they were asking was the perpetual foreigner thing that happens in the U S which is like, because you have an Asian appearance, you can't possibly be native mm -hmm. to this land. Do you feel like that was what was behind that question? I feel like most of the time it was genuine curiosity. Like, okay, so you mm. say you're from the United States, but you don't, you're, you're clearly, you don't look completely white. So where are you really from? Um, mm -hmm. sometimes, and I had a friend who was white, who would get very upset anytime people would ask me and she'd be like, she's American. Uh, mm -hmm. and that's all, but I would usually just explain my, uh, my ethnic, my ethnic background. And it wasn't a big deal. Very rarely. I feel like it was like this, like, but no, really, you're not really, but, mm. um, but very rarely. So, um, and it, it does feel different when, um, in the United States, I used to, when I was a child, especially I, my friends used to think I was adopted or my dad would come pick me up from sports and, and people mm. would be like, how can that be your dad? Like, are you adopted? Or my mom would pick me up and, and they, they would get really excited then and be like, oh my goodness, like, does your mom speak Chinese? It's a different country, but, uh, but you know, she, she speaks English with a strong accent. Yeah. Uh, and you can say hi to her if you want. <laughs> yeah, she's a human. You could just talk to her and see what happens. I, it's so weird. So I have a theory that people have just decided that whatever Asian they encounter in the world is automatically whatever Asian they know the most yes. of. So yes. if they happen to have a Chinese community mm -hmm. nearby, every Asian they see is Chinese. Yeah. Um, and that, happen that happens here a lot. Yeah, because they just default yeah. with China here, right? Yeah. Or yeah. Chino, mm -hmm. China. Yeah, they, they default with that. And since, so if, if since during the pandemic, I started getting Asian valida validation in Asian American spaces through podcasting, mm -hmm. I am now void of Asian validation where I live because I don't look Asian enough for a Mexican person to see me as an Asian. Uh, so I was expecting, I was gearing myself up before coming here. I was gearing myself up for the idea of just like, um, okay, they're going to call you China and you got to be ready to feel however you're going to feel. Mm, absolutely not. No one, yeah. <laughs> no one, no one has thought that that was, they've only stuck to me being American here. Huh. Um, so if, if I had, if I looked now, like I looked as a baby, I was a Japanese baby. I don't, mm. I don't know when it really happened, but somewhere between three and four, I went from being a Japanese baby to a mixed black baby. It all, it all disappeared. Like I didn't mm -hmm. used to have a, I fold, but I got one mm -hmm. when I was a toddler and things. Mm -hmm. uh, so any identity stuff that I have as an Asian is really tied to like 
my grandmother, my food, mm-hmm. and you know, my yeah. my culture, my popular my pop culture stuff that I'm into. Um, do you feel like you sacrificed any Asianness coming here? It's a weird question. It is a weird question. I don't know. Um, you know, being part Japanese, there's like, and being interested in U.S. foreign policy, and then like thinking about Japanese foreign policy and Japanese mm-hmm. role in the world and their war histories. There was a period of my life where I didn't necessarily think positively of my Japanese background. Um, I think it was a short-lived sure. period because I was very proud of my Japanese uh, heritage and identity when I was a child, even though mm-hmm. I had this strong need to assimilate, assimilate and be accepted by white people. Um, sure. There was a period where I, I just kind of pushed it aside and almost like tried to assimilate extensively in Mexico. Um, and so I didn't feel like mm. I was missing out on any, anything too much. But every time my mom would come, she would bring umeboshi and she would bring like wakame and she would bring all of these Japanese foods and my taste buds would just explode. And then like I would get the yeah. nostalgia. Um, it's really been in the last couple, of, the last several years that I've had a very strong need to reconnect with Japan mm. and my, my connection to my family and um, just my homeland, you know, it's like, yeah. I wasn't born there, but in a sense, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's home, my heritage. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard. And I think it, mo- a lot of it was just access to food. I used to, you know, when I was working um, before the pandemic, I would go up to Mexico city at least twice a year and there's Japanese supermarkets there. And I'd be able to mm-hmm. fill up my suitcase, even if I was just doing a carry on with like uh, all sorts of things and bring okay. them back down. During the pandemic, I wasn't able to do that. And so like, I was like, like my body was like in shock. Like I had no access to Japanese food. By the end of the pandemic, I had figured like people were selling things online and I was able to order things to my house. Mm. But but I think that's when it really hit was during the pandemic period of just wanting to to have my my comfort food. Yeah, the comfort food is such a huge, important tie to, and especially for us that are mixed Japanese, like, you're already fighting a little bit just in your genetics to just like be a thing. Yeah. And for me, yeah, the food is the food is my biggest thing. I, I have access yeah. to language to a degree, but I had uh-huh. an assimilative grandmother, so she didn't really mm-hmm. want to teach us. The only thing she mm-hmm. taught us were races so that we could talk mm-hmm. about people in front of them, food, money, and bathroom. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. like full stop. That's, that's what we knew how to talk about. And uh, And it wasn't even like when I took Japanese in school, she didn't help. She was still yeah. like, nope, we're going to get in trouble. And then um, because the military told her not to teach her half-breed yeah. children Japanese. Yeah. Uh, by the time I was in my 30s and living in a different state and speaking to her in Japanese on the phone, that's when she started to talk back to me. Uh-huh. But that by that point, like my brain, it's so it's so hard. Like, yeah, I have the vowel sounds. I can pick it up. I can hear it. I can understand more mm-hmm. than I'm comfortable speaking but not to the degree that I'll ever have any kind mm-hmm. of fluency. I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm still feeling like I'll never get fluent in Spanish here too, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not practicing enough, but mm-hmm. um, that, that tie to Japan, I was finally starting to get there. And then I decided to go to a country where there's hardly any. <laughs> yeah. And then I decided to move to a state where there's like, no, I can get a little, a few things. I can get my rice brand here. I can get my so my shoyu here and I can get like my instant yakisoba. Yeah. Luckily, those are three things I can get, but I can't I haven't gotten sembe here. I haven't gotten some of my sauces and things like that. Yeah. So 
I didn't even think about it, but I'm going to be going to, I'm planning on going to Mexico city in mm -hmm. October. I'm going to bring yep. extra I'm gonna bring Check extra us bag. Case. I didn't even think yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. Check. I didn't even think about doing that. Check us. Otherwise, when you go back to the states, you can bring stuff down. Yeah, but you just oh, have to oh. check your bag. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I noticed, like, I started to regret a little bit that I just because I was I narrowed it down to Mexico City or Medida. Medida just called to me. Um, yeah. I, I always felt like Mexico City will always be there as an option, but yeah. Medida, you know. Uh, but once I started seeing how much Japanese stuff is in Mexico City, I was like. Oh, Maybe I made the wrong decision, but I don't think I'm fine. I think I'm fine. You can always I'm, move. I'm happy. I can always move if I want to, but I, I really do love where I'm at here mm -hmm. um, and everything. Okay. So check, go to Mexico city, check a bag, bring, yeah. get this. Stuff, a bag or buy food. a suitcase there. Or buy a suitcase there, which is about as Japanese as you can get when traveling. <laughs> like I need to buy, <laughs> I need to buy another suitcase because I have to bring a whole lot of gifts home. Um, uh -huh. Well, I'm so glad to have had this conversation with you. And I know that you are heading back to the States soon, but when you are back in Mexico, um, I hope that we get a chance to actually see each other in person or, or whatever, because it would be nice to have that fellow mixed foreigner living here, whatever permanent resident we end up being <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, to have to have community with. Um, I was so excited when you and I started to exchange on Instagram about, you know, being mixed Japanese here. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it instantly made me feel a little bit more like, oh, okay, someone's been here for a yeah. long time. They've managed to yeah. make it to make it yeah. work. So I, I appreciate that about you. And I, I thank you for coming on the show to talk with me. Absolutely. Before There's other mixed Japanese folks in Japan. There's just not very many of us. Yeah, like we're getting a little bit more popular. You know, we got some <laughs> celebrity, we got some athletes and things. Uh -huh. um, yeah. The the thing is like with the with the black with the black I call myself black and ease. With the black uh -huh. and ease ones, I don't look like them. Uh -huh. So I have this other layer of like, also, you don't look like Naomi Osaka. I've literally uh -huh. been told several times, but you don't look like Naomi Osaka. <laughs> I'm like, yep, nope, I don't look like her. <laughs> We're different kinds of black and <laughs> it's a whole thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, like we're starting to get mixed Japanese are starting to get a little bit more popular. We're out there. We're singers. We're, we're athletes. Uh -huh. um, it's it's making me happy. But I, I look forward to hopefully finding a way to have like mixed Asian community here in the way that I get black community here. Yeah, um, absolutely. I don't think I can ever feel entirely. Uh, I don't think there's the equivalent vibe <laughs> uh, for like a Asian group as there is for black community. No, like no. that even amongst your own group of Asians, we're mixed, we're different, you know, like uh -huh. that, yeah. that was very much present. So if you could just start out by find, finding mixed Japanese and then build from there. Uh, I always get excited when I see one of us. So thank you for joining me Itoko, on this show. Before I get out of here though, I would like to ask you something I ask all of my guests. Mm -hmm. What do you love most about being mixed? Hmm. I hadn't thought about that. Um... <laughs> Probably a popular response. I think what I like best about being mixed is I get to I get to be a little bit in multiple cultures. And if something is if I'm not having what's happening in a white space, mm -hmm. I get to like just say, Oh, well, like this is how we do it in Mexico or like my Japanese part. Yeah. Thinks this would be better or or vice versa. When I go to Japan, I do get yeah. welcomed into my family house. Yeah. Uh, when I'm in Mexico, I do get welcomed into family homes. Um I get those family meals, whatnot. Yeah. So there's definitely, I'm always somewhat like an outsider. I'm always somewhat not completely of, but I also get to like expand and 
and be welcomed in multiple directions yeah, at participate. once, which was really neat. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I, I love the, that you have been able to just incorporate another identity um, through curiosity and love that brought you here and just excitement to, to keep you here. Um, enjoying the culture to keep you here and everything like that. That's that's great. I, I'm very much inspired. I want to say just an extra thank you because I think I've had anxiety about this decision and thinking, yes, I can always go back, but I want to give it a really good run. I want to really try yeah. to make the effort and to see that, you know, someone managed it, <laughs> managed to to stay here and be here for a while and, and enjoy where they're at. You always will come back. You, you see, like, yeah. you've, mm-hmm. even though you have to go for school, you this is home. Mm-hmm. To you now. Yeah, this is home. This is home. Yeah. That's nice. And I'm, at some point, I may go to the States for a couple of years. Uh, I'm still young, but I'm not yeah. leaving Mexico completely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. I, I hope we talk yeah. a little bit more too, because I think this will yeah. be a good development thing. But I appreciate you. And before we get out of here, do you want to share how people can find you if they're curious about your story a little bit? Yeah. So, so I'm on Instagram. I'm on all social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. And I'm on uh linkedin i don't do twitter mm-hmm. very much uh, but on facebook i think i'm i don't remember what i am on facebook but my full name is michelle akane sugimoto story but if you just look up akane sugimoto story you should be able to find me on instagram i'm akane akane sugimoto partera and then linkedin if you just search for my name you should be able to find me <laughs> um, i love that you also have all of the culture's names <laughs> <laughs> like you got them all in there. I didn't get a Japanese name, which drives me nuts. So I appreciate that too. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast, produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the one. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantlymixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantlymixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.